0: hello
1: and welcome to Ono oh ross and carrie the show where we don't just report on fringe science spirituality claims of the paranormal but we take part ourselves
2: yep when they make the claims we show up so you don't have to i'm a carrie puppy
1: i'm a ross blotcher
2: and we are going back to Costa Rica for this episode about arrhythmia.
1: Or we're still there. We never left.
2: Yeah, hypothetically. I mean, listen, we're not actually recording this in Costa Rica. We're recording it in the United States of America, but you but, get it.
1: Okay, this is a little introduction to a later story. This gets wild, people.
2: It really does. But
1: we did record three episodes, really, yeah. while we were there in Costa Rica
2: but Mother Ayahuasca <laughs> wasn't fucking having it. i will tell you about that in a little
1: yeah, bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's more story there. But oh no, we are we are re-recording this. And last time we talked to you, we were on our way to see Jerry Powell's introductory mandatory...
2: mandatory
1: Moondatory talk down in room 79, I believe. Mm-hmm. So we headed down there. It was kind of on the far end of the campus. Got in there with about 61 other people, somewhere in that range.
2: About 61.
1: Yeah, well, you're right. That's a ridiculous thing to say. (laughs) I wrote 61, but later on I would hear numbers like 65 or 70 because I was trying to get a feel for how many people are in this resort program and doing ayahuasca together, somewhere between 60 and 70 people. Okay. That's as fine a number as I can
2: get you. Fine. Fine. Yeah. We walked in, we saw Jerry up at the front writing on the whiteboard, and I recognized him because I'd seen a couple of videos Mm -hmm. that uh, featured him.
1: And he was in the video on the van.
2: And he's a very handsome older man.
1: He's, uh, you know, starting to gray, Mm -hmm. and he's got long hair that's tied back. Usually,
2: very neat little man bun. Mm -hmm. Um, He's a Caucasian gentleman. Got some facial
1: hair growing in.
2: Mm -hmm. Nice uh, cheek dimples and pretty muscular dude.
1: Definitely, he looks like he's built. He works out. Uh, I
2: believe he's fifty-two, though he looks younger.
1: There's a ruddiness to his complexion. Mm -hmm. I think maybe with his physical activity or whatever it is he does in his life, and he's tan as well. Yeah, that kind of darkens his skin. Both of those things conspire together.
2: And it, you noted that his voice sounds a lot like Brian, Brian Keith Dalton, Dalton's, who wrote the theme music for our show, and it's really true. And he looks like they could be related.
1: If you watch one of the Mr. Deity videos and then play Jerry Powell speaking, yeah, they, like, oh. they really do sound very similar. So kind of a higher voice. Mm-hmm. He also has, it's just his, his eyes are always kind of wide open.
2: Oh, okay. Uh-huh.
1: And so, you know, he's always craning his head up a little bit and his eyes are just kind of a little wild and searching, huh, I
2: interesting. would say. I didn't notice that, but... I buy it.
1: We sit down toward the, the back half of the room uh-huh, near uh-huh. an amazing portrait that we'll talk about more later. Oh,
2: that's right.
1: Of uh, Jesus with his heart outside of his body and an owl on his shoulder. An
2: owl, you guys. Instead of the classic peace dove landing on Jesus's shoulder, he has a wise owl.
1: If I was in that room by myself, I would just be staring at this painting, but- Jerry Powell's talking up front, so we sit down, and you and I start taking notes. We are the only ones taking notes. Yeah,
2: it does appear that way. Certainly
1: to the extent at which we are taking oh, notes.
2: Oh, yeah, you guys, I took so many notes. But right off the top, he tells us, almost everyone who comes here gets a miracle. And they calculate their miracle rate at the end of your visit. <laughs> and to your
1: incredible precision.
2: So right now, the miracle rate is at 92.74%.
1: 047
2: Oh, I have 7-4 on my notes. You but know what? We did get a few a different
1: numbers, yeah. yeah. So yeah, we get it to the 100th percentile Yep, miracles being woven here at Rhythmia.
2: So at the end of our stay, we're already told we're going to be given a survey, and it's going to ask us whether we experienced a miracle here.
0: And
1: we're like, and whoa, high standard. And most people high say standard. yes.
2: Yeah, that's a really high bar. Okay, so for me, miracle means... Something happens that not only can't be explained by science, but science kind of stands in the face of what happened. It, it, it This is inexplicable and suggests that divine providence made it happen. That is a huge bar.
1: Right. Yeah. So the definition of miracle is going to come into play here. Yeah. But I'm just doing a, a quick calculation here. If you have, say, 70 people uh-huh. and- About 6% are not having miracles. That's about four people. Okay. So, all right. So four people every visit don't have a miracle.
2: Right. But this is already setting what I will come to believe is sort of a subtle pressure to think of anything that happens to you as a miracle. Uh, Yes. Yeah. So Jerry asked all of us, well, who here has done plant medicine? And about five people raised their hands. And then... He said, "Okay, well, what about how many of you have smoked pot?"
1: And like almost, ev-
2: almost everyone. I think
1: every non-Ross hand in the room <laughs> went up.
2: And then he said, "How many of you have done ecstasy?" That was maybe three quarters of the room. How cocaine. many of you have done cocaine? There's Less about than eight half. People. Yeah, yeah. And then he told us, "Okay, now this is Monday morning now, and he says by Wednesday, every single one of you will have considered leaving. This is co- uh-huh. this is rough."
1: And he says. Those fences, referring to the razor wire fences outside, these fences are to keep you in here, and we all laugh at that. And he says, "No, no, seriously though." And, <laughs> wait, wait, wait! This is the moment where you tell us, like, well, actually, I'm just kidding. It's a legally mandated thing. Like, nope, no, he just left it there. Well, yeah. Okay, there's got to be more to this story. I got to say, Jerry is hilarious.
2: He's a really good public speaker. Great
1: speaker. Funny guy.
2: Really good at just knowing where to punctuate words and how rhetoric works. He uses the rule of threes really well.
1: Naturally, yeah. He'll set it up a couple times and then do the payoff. Yep. And excellent swearer. Later on, uh, on a different day, he made a joke. He said, oh, someone mentioned that I swear too much and I need to get better about swearing. I need to fucking swear more. No, (laughs) he
2: said, I need to say fuck better.
1: Oh, that that was it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was hilarious. (laughs) So we're all on stitches. You know, he's delivering a lot of great laugh lines.
2: He also gave us some advice. He said, I have some tips for you. Do everything. Oh, yes. Don't try to outthink the protocol. Just do everything that's on offer. So we're getting a little bit of a mixed message. This was supposed to be the only mandatory mandatory thing. thing. Now it's like, do everything. But okay, I guess we won't be forced.
1: He said like 6 to 7% of people think they know everything. And uh, those are the ones who don't don't have miracles. miracles. That's what I was thinking.
2: This is what we call a closed system where you have no access to criticism because you have reframed all your criticism as just that person's fault.
1: This might become a theme. And so we're told that you know resisting just makes it harder. The medicine always wins. So stop trying to cheat yourself and just get with the program.
2: So then- as you mentioned, he's a really likable guy, but he starts telling us a story of back in his life when he was not so likable. Yeah,
1: he hasn't always been such a likable guy. Originally, he's from Scranton, Pennsylvania.
2: The fake home of the office, he <laughs> yep. says, which is exactly how I know Scranton. Of so, course. Yep,
1: And he said he was from a, a Catholic household, a very violent household. Here's a common theme from our other investigations. He says he was a terrible student.
2: He was kicked out of 11th grade.
1: And he said he went to jail for seven crimes.
2: He told a good joke that I had heard him make on other videos where he said, and I did commit my crimes, unlike everyone else in that prison. I somehow went to a prison that was all people who hadn't done it. Very funny. Good joke.
1: Yeah, well, and clearly he tells this story in this detail every week. Every
2: week. So lines are down pat.
1: And I think in every interview, he gets to tell the story. And as we find later, he can deliver the story in whatever amount of time you need him to.
2: Yeah. No, he's great. So he said in his family of origin, if you made money, you were a good person. That was the measure of a good person. Sad.
1: And it didn't matter how you did it. You could go about it by dishonest means, but as long as you're making money, that makes you a good person.
2: So he was praying in jail to get out of there. And when he got out of jail, he started his own business.
1: He swore he was never going back to jail, quickly earned like what, $140, $140 million.
2: $140 million dollar net worth in his 30s. Wow. That's more than us. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> right?
2: So we had that one hundred forty mil. Went broke during the dot-com crash, started another business, and sold that one for $94 million at age 40. It. Was
1: that the one with the plastic surgery?
2: I'm not sure which one was, but okay. one was a website that basically I think was sort of a network for plastic surgeons. So at age 40, he's like, shit, I'm sitting on my millions, mm-hmm. but he was kind of a dick.
1: He was married. He had kids.
2: Right, but he says he was a drunk. He was a misogynist. He was a drug addict. He sex was a addict. sex addict. Yep. And a wife beater. Mm
1: -hmm. Not the shirt, like he actually beat his wife. Correct,
2: yes. An assailant. So really bad stuff. And he said, I was also just that loud, rich asshole no one likes. You know, I could Uh walk into a CVS and you would immediately not like me. You wouldn't know why. And then I'd speak (laughs) and you'd know why.
1: Which is hilarious. And and why CVS? I don't know.
2: (laughs) He had had two suicide attempts, he says. Right.
1: He said he would get, you know, money, cars, women. None of that helped. Yeah. Uh, He was addicted to injectable Demerol. Yeah. So he mentioned that.
2: Really scary. He says the more he consumed, the more he was empty. A common story you hear about people who fall into immense wealth.
1: And I think the one thing that finally made him realize, oh, shit, I got to do something about this was when One of his kids caught him while he was injecting.
2: Right. Now, I'm just going to hop forward for a second. I ended up reading his book, which is called Shit the Moon Said, a title that will make sense to you in a second. And in there, he says that he remembered his son walking in on him, injecting, but now knows that he imagined that, that like his his son never saw it. It was kind of strange because he wrote this book before he gave the talk. And then in the talk he said he saw, "Ah, but whatever, memory's a tricky mistress. But either way, he got the impression his kid saw it and kind of had that moment of reckoning with himself. Oh my God, I'm shooting up Demerol in front of my child.
1: So he looked up Passages, which is a...
2: A rehab in Malibu.
1: We've heard of before.
2: It is of complicated repute. Okay. I'll let y'all look up passages because that could be its own rabbit hole for an
1: hour. So someday when we get addicted, we'll go to passages to, <laughs> to do an investigation on that. Check
2: it out for you. Knock on wood, that won't happen. So he committed himself to this rehab and while he was in rehab, he met Dr. Jeff McNary, mm-hmm. the staff psychologist, and he really, really liked Dr. Jeff when he met him and Dr. Jeff was like, ah, I have a full client list, but you know what? I'm really compelled by you. We get along so well. I'm going to take you on in Anyway, so they had this sort of like immediate connection. There
1: was also a spiritual component where they would put people in a a druggy buggy and take them to church every week.
2: Agape, which is a a church here in LA that I've heard about a bunch of times, but never been. But it's a real like new agey kind of place. Mm -hmm. It's really funny. He mentioned that on Sundays he could go to church or the mall. and that's Those were his
1: options. Yeah,
2: and I've heard that before about... Rehabs and other like wellness places like eating disorder treatments and stuff. Hmm. On Sundays you go to the mall or church? I don't it's like a specific dichotomy I've heard before.
1: Interesting. Okay. So he kept going to the mall, but finally said, All right, all right, I'll go to this church thing. So he found a reverend who would refer to God as a she.
2: And he was like, what the hell's this?
1: Like, hey, I, you know, I'm no expert on this stuff, but I know God is an angry white dude with a beard.
2: <laughs> exactly. So,
1: so I, I've just got to meet this person so I can tell them they're wrong.
2: Yeah, I kind of wondered if this is really how this went down. But <laughs> so he tells some connection. I want to meet the minister, and then as Jerry's telling the story, he kind of throws this detail to the side, but he says like, "Oh, and I had to pay some money to meet him, but whatever, I paid the money." And I thought, "Wait, what?"
1: Yeah, whoa, what, <laughs> that's, weird.
2: That's weird, hmm. but okay. Huh. So he has this great talk with the minister. They were instant friends as well, and so the minister said, "I'm gonna give you counseling. I think that you need spiritual guidance. I'm gonna hook you up with a spiritual counselor, no charge."
1: Oh, wow.
2: So that was all going well. Eventually, eventually his rehab experience was done. He leaves passages, and he tells us... (laughs) Yeah,
1: okay, this part is weird.
2: (laughs) He tells us he's with two people, a movie producer, and he can't tell us the name, but we would know the name. Uh Uh-huh. And a woman... (laughs) Frida Lay. A woman named... I don't know if it was Frito-Lay or Frito-Lay, but he said the <laughs> you know, Frito-Lay, the one they
1: named the chips after. Yeah, he's
2: like, they named the company after her. And he didn't say it like it was a joke, just <laughs> like it was a funny detail. So later I looked it up, and <laughs> Frito-Lay was two companies, one called Frito and one called something-lay, and they merged. I was like, what?
1: I love the thought that she told him the story, and he just... Believed. Yeah,
2: she's like that's my name frito-lay <laughs> her,
1: her name is actually like meredith yeah, jenkins and Margaret. right
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's a great thought
1: so uh, they they got together these three people and they said okay well we're leaving passages we'll go get a house together we're gonna work this out but An hour
2: after they leave they get drunk
1: yeah he said we they'd sober 55 minutes and then next thing i know i'm like doing cocaine with hookers again or something like that. Yeah,
2: my goodness. So obviously the Passage's experience didn't live up to the hype for him at least.
1: But he decided, oh, I really want Dr. Jeff.
2: Yeah, he really liked this one psychologist and he, he said, had a connection with. And he said, hey, I'm
1: with. a millionaire. Tell me, what are they paying you? He's like, yeah, I'll pay you that up front. You come work for me.
2: plus twenty thousand extra dollars Right,
1: I'll be your I'll one be client. Your only client. Sweet deal.
2: A sweet deal, but I have to say, like, part of me was like, "Oh, Doctor Jeff, don't take that deal." Like, where you used to be helping a bunch of people, mm-hmm. and then you're like, "Sure, now I'll help just one person because of money." That's that's kind of rough. But okay. Okay. anyway, he did it.
1: So he met five days a week for five years, something like that. That's what I have in my notes.
2: Oh, okay. I just have yeah, did therapy five to seven days a week.
1: He said he was still a drunk, a womanizer, and a drug user, but not Demerol, and he still. Felt, felt suicidal. suicidal. So I think Dr. Jeff at this point was just kind of running out of options. I've tried everything with this guy. And said, Jerry, you just need to take a vacation.
2: So he at this time has a young girlfriend who he just 22 years old. Yeah, it describes as 22. And this would have put Jerry at right around like 46. Okay. And so he says to her, hey, I'm supposed to take a vacation. Let's go visit your family in the Philippines. Right. So they, <laughs> they buy then, tickets. Yeah,
1: he buys tickets for them, but then they get in an argument at the airport.
2: He rips up her ticket.
1: And abandons her there. Jesus. And, and goes to stay with her family?
2: No, he said he went to the Philippines. He landed. He knew the family was there, like at the airport, but oh. he just, you know, avoided them. Oh, okay,
1: okay. I was wondering about that.
2: But then... Went to the couple's retreat by himself that he would have gone to with her.
1: Hilarious.
2: Yeah, which, as you might imagine, not fun.
1: (laughs) No, so he was having a miserable time. He was surrounded by a sea of five foot seven brown people. That was such a
2: weird, specific detail.
1: (laughs) So he described the Philippines.
2: It's uh, pretty much exactly my height, anyway. While he's at this resort being miserable, he posted something on Facebook just being like, I hate life. I wish I were dead. Something like super, super bummer. Um, vague oh, booking. Yeah, yeah vague <laughs> booking. They <were> the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I want to die. Ross is like, ah, vague
1: <laughs> <laughs> We don't know why.
2: <laughs> um. So this woman that he had met before, this shaman she saw the post um oh
1: yeah a gorgeous shaman woman from brooklyn
2: right she wrote to him and said can i come stay with you i am also in the philippines He said, yeah, yeah, because he's thinking like, oh, beautiful brunette woman, come on over. Right? She comes to stay with him, but it's like a very friendly exchange, and she just seems to be the first person who's really cared about him without having any professional reason to, you know? And so she says, no pressure, but I think plant medicine could really help you.
1: And he said that she had known a guy who had gone to Costa Rica and done ayahuasca though I'm wondering if it was truly ayahuasca at the time, and that he was changed, and it was a place that's only an hour and a half from where Rhythmia is now.
2: And mind you, this is all still taking place in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at first he thought, oh, this sounds like BS, but then she keeps talking about it. She's so earnest, and he's like, you know what? I've got nothing to lose. I'm going to book a stay at a plant medicine place in Costa Rica, and I'm just going to do it right now. So he's in the Philippines, books this thing in Costa Rica. First, he goes home to California, but it's like super brief. And then he heads right over to Costa Rica. Okay. Drunk on the plane because that's his deal. Yes. And then...
1: Spent a lot of time drunk.
2: Exactly. So then he gets off the plane in Costa Rica and he tells us he is, again, surrounded by five foot seven people. It's such a specific height. It's not even a short height.
1: Oh, right. And he says, oh, it's like I never left the Philippines.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Weird. So he gets off the plane and he meets...
1: Muganda, Muganda. The shaman.
2: Quite a character.
1: Oh, yes. Boy. So
2: he's quite a character in this story, but we'll come to realize there's a he's lot quite a of character history to this person. In,
1: in many ways. But yeah, he uh, meets him at the airport, I guess, and he's eating a dripping Big Mac and getting the stuff all over him.
2: Now... I'm just going to say, when Jerry's telling this story, he's using a white person's Jamaican accent, you know, the sort of like, hey, man, to mimic... Mugenda. so in order to tell his story i'm going to have to do the bad white person's jamaican accent i'm so sorry but, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but okay. uh, so jerry is like hey uh who's this guy like with burger king going all over his gut and muganda's like oh hey man don't worry about it man and
1: then he yells commands at him get your bag jerry's like oh okay all right whatever you do like he starts obeying all the the yelled orders
2: so he's thinking like i can't believe this is my shaman it's like some rando who's yeah got-
1: the guy originally from gabon but then he lived in detroit
2: and then i and think he also lived in oakland oh really from my research later okay yeah. oh
1: yeah that's right from like the uh the warrants for his yeah arrest. from the
2: warrants for his arrest cool. we'll get there yeah. <laughs> um Yes. Yeah, so, so this
1: place was uh, two thousand dollars per night. A uh, nice little, yes, a nice little reference uh, in light of recent political comments. Uh, he described it as a shithole.
2: Oh, I didn't even notice the connection there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, but he said there was no bag service, no pool, and then when they showed him his bed, it had like stuff dripping from the ceiling or the air conditioner unit or something on the bed. And he's like, no, this is disgusting. I want my money back. This is sick.
2: Apparently, Jerry's like a real neat freak. He described himself that way. Yeah. So he just like couldn't handle this standard of cleanliness. So he goes outside and he just lays on the grass because he's so tired and he's Mm -hmm. drunk. And he's just been from the Philippines to the US to Costa Rica. right? And Mugenda tells him, you're actually doing your first plant ceremony tonight.
1: Yeah, right now. Let's go to the temple. What? Go into the temple and we're <laughs> doing ayahuasca. Uh, uh. Oh, wait, but it was not ayahuasca. It
2: wasn't. So Jerry didn't mention this in this story, but I had picked up on it from previous videos that he was actually at a place called Iboga House mm-hmm. taking a different plant medicine called Iboga. He did and say
1: that in this meeting that he did Iboga.
2: Oh, he did. Yeah. It during, okay, cool. So... I mean ayahuasca is already a risky medicine but
1: iboga is iboga. also a plant medicine but it's derived from Africa
2: and it's more dangerous like it has more accidents associated yeah. with it but one of the things that it seems to do is it can interrupt the addiction cycle for people who are addicted, especially to things like opiates. So, hey,
1: this guy's addicted.
2: So, especially if you're at the end of your rope and you're willing to try something risky, it does seem to basically like quiet down the receptors that get excited by opiates. So then the next time you try to take it, your brain's like, eh, not getting much out of this. And that just slowly disrupts this cycle of addiction.
1: Okay. So, so there's people there with blindfolds, and they've got buckets, so they can puke, presumably.
2: And Jerry said, I thought this is like Jim Jones shit, because he walks into <laughs> this temple and people are throwing up in buckets.
1: Sure. I would And think laying so on too. mattresses. Right. The shaman tells him that uh, you need to state like 10 questions that you need to know the answers to. So he works with Jerry on that, coming up with questions to ask.
2: And then he gives him a pill. So apparently- I'm guessing this was Ibogaine, which is like a- The
1: a, extract from The extract, Iboga.
2: yeah. Hmm. So he said he took a pill and lays down, and Mugenda's like, okay, tell- I'm going to stop doing the accent. Mugenda's <laughs> like, to, uh, just tell me when you start to see something. Mm-hmm. There's a whole room of people, and no one's saying they see anything. And then Jerry sees a cat, just yeah, like a common a house cat. Yeah, tabby cat. Yeah.
1: He's wearing a blindfold. But yeah, now he's not seen- the
2: cat, but Jerry.
1: Right, right, right. Uh so yeah, he's seen the tabby cat, then he's seeing a tiger.
2: Yeah. So at first he's like, I don't want to say I see a cat that's so lame. So then when he sees the tiger, he's like, I can say I see a tiger. Yeah, yeah. So he says, I I uh, yeah, I see a tiger. And so Mugenda says, Oh great, and comes over and starts tapping Jerry's forehead.
1: And Jerry sees the finger tapping his forehead, but he's wearing a blindfold.
2: Yeah. So is like, what? do you see my finger? And he's like, holy shit, I do.
1: He's and like, now then... how many fingers am I holding up?
2: And Jerry says three. And I love this. Jerry seems to take this as confirmation. Uh-huh. So is like, yup, but like could have been holding and up. And of course I immediately
1: like picture him holding up four fingers and Jerry says three and he like lets down <laughs> the, the, the pinky. Yep,
2: <laughs> Or doesn't even bother. Very good. He's like not even holding up his he's hand. He's just
1: eating his Big Mac, right? Right. <laughs> well, now we picture him always with a Big Mac. Then the ceiling disappears.
2: Well, he makes it disappear. Mugenda says, right. make the ceiling disappear. And he goes, makes it disappear. Boom.
1: Done. Easy. Then he picks out a star and says, "We'll jump to the star. So does. he does it.
2: He starts floating up. And he has what I'd describe as an out-of-body experience. Yep. He looks down and sees his body.
1: Here's just a little... Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, just being the stickler here, but he says he jumps up towards the star, the stars are streaming, and then he says that he sees the moon to his left.
2: okay okay, if oh no,
1: Yes, you know where this is going.
2: I, I don't know specifically, but I'm guessing it's some sort of inventory involving the cosmos.
1: If you've had any time for the stars to stream, you are so far beyond the moon. The moon is not anywhere close to you. Oh. If stars are streaming, that means you've been traveling at a rate of, yeah, hundreds of miles per hour. Because the moon is hundreds of light years per second, essentially, if you can see stars streaming. The moon is
2: far back there. The moon is much closer to us. Like 300,000
1: miles away or whatever it is. Right,
2: the moon is our closest celestial object.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I was a little hung up on that, but fine, fine. You were
2: like, I'm don't. sorry to think this didn't literally happen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Call me crazy. So he sees the moon on the left for whatever reason and he breaks for it.
2: Yeah, so the shaman says, go to the moon. And he's he's like, okay, I'm not even gonna think about it. I'm just gonna do it. And he, he goes to the moon. Now you might be thinking that's a nice little vision. No, no, no. He literally goes to the literal moon. This is not put to us as like, this is a cool vision I had. It's like I, Jerry traveled to the moon without a space suit.
1: We did try to clarify this later. It was the moon. The moon. His vision went black for a while. But it turns out it was because he'd crash landed into the moon.
2: So then he saw this screen.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and this is something we would hear later about a boga that sometimes you see everything as if you're like, like looking a through a computer screen TV or, or a monitor. Screen. Mm-hmm. So he sees the screen that has two sides. On one side, there's a cursor, a blinking cursor, as if it's waiting for someone to type. Uh, yeah, a prompt. And then on the other side, there is the moon and feet sticking out of it but sticking out as if someone has crashed into it head first. They're sticking out the top.
1: This is all literal. Somehow no one saw these feet sticking out of the moon. Maybe they were coming out the the dark side of the moon.
2: What do you mean no one saw it? When we went there, you mean?
1: Like no other astronomers picked up on it. Oh,
2: well, this was just happening briefly while Jerry was there. It was his feet. So he realizes he can move the feet, and they're his feet. And in his book, he says, I literally crash landed on the moon. This was literally happening.
1: All right, we're okay. us- we're using the word literal, and we think we know what it means.
2: <laughs> so, he has his ten questions prepared, and the first one was Moon, Mrs. Moon, which is what he calls her. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Moon, why am I such an asshole? And she says, "I can't tell you until you get your soul."
1: All right. So <laughs>
2: you're fine with that part.
1: Sure. So he goes to Malibu in his vision. But he couldn't get himself to help because his self is such an asshole.
2: Right. So we've got two Jerrys now. We've got Malibu Jerry and Costa Rica Jerry. And Costa Rica Jerry is visiting Malibu Jerry and begging him for his help.
1: Hey, hey, need to find my soul.
2: But Malibu Jerry is like, nah, man, I'm not helping you. And then he says something like, I wouldn't help you if you were the last person on earth. Oh, right. You're a liar, a cheater, you're greedy. And so... Costa Rica Jerry says to Muganda, I don't think he's going to help me. (laughs) So Muganda says, you got to beg him. So he starts begging him. And Malibu Jerry says, okay, listen, I'll help you if from now on you run every decision by me, Mm. your soul.
1: Mm -hmm. I like Malibu Jerry. It just sounds like Malibu Stacy.
2: (laughs) Totally. Totally. So for the rest of your life, you have to check in with your soul.
1: Yeah. Those are my two conditions. You take me everywhere and you decide with me.
2: So Jerry says, yes, he has no plan B. Okay. Just going to go with it. So Then
1: he immediately turns three.
2: Well, yeah. The other Jerry
1: does. Malibu Jerry.
2: Yeah. So he starts walking with his soul- and Malibu Jerry the soul,
1: <laughs> and they fly <laughs> becomes, to Scranton. Oh yeah, three years old, and he's like, "Fly with me!" And yeah. this is feeling very much like a Christmas Carol at this point. Oh,
2: I think he said that. You will visit- or He said it in the book anyway. Oh,
1: did he? Okay, you will be visited by, by three eagles. spirits,
2: goats. <laughs> You'll be visited by three goats. <laughs> so yeah, they fly to Scranton, where there is a Christmas party going on. So very Dickensian,
1: rocking They're- around. The Christmas <laughs> tree. <laughs> Keep going. I'll just sing songs <laughs> in the
2: background. So um, they go to his grandfather's house. Mm-hmm. And there is a Christmas party with 25 dead people in the kitchen. Not, mm-hmm. not their bodies, but like people who we know are dead. Right. Are alive in this vision.
1: And it's a white Christmas. It's snowing. Yeah. And they've all been dead for like 15 years. He even sees like a grape juice stain. This lets him know this is real.
2: You can't have a grape juice stain in a vision,
0: guys.
2: (laughs) So a voice tells him to go to the closet door under the staircase. Yeah. He does. It's the coat closet. Right. And then he went on some tangent about how we probably don't know what a coat closet is. And I'm thinking, I know what a coat closet is. Anyway. It's a
1: closet where you put your coat. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) I get the concept.
2: uh, But he opens it up and he sees his grandfather molesting three-year-old Jerry. And he says out loud, that didn't happen. Because mm-hmm. he has no memory of this horrible thing. And Muganda says, well, call your dad, ask him.
1: And Muganda does not hand him a phone. Right. This is all within the vision.
2: Right. So His dad
1: is already deceased.
2: His dad had passed away six years prior. Right. But he's able to ask him through plant medicine. He asks his dad and his dad says,
1: Don't think you're so special.
2: And in the book, he elaborates that his dad said it happened to me too. From this, he infers that he and his dad were both molested. But we can't confirm this because dad and grandpa are both dead. Right. But he says it explains so much about his life and his problems. This
1: is why I messed up. Yeah. So he goes back to the moon and she curses like a trooper, he said.
2: Like a sailor, yeah, and it's super funny.
1: A lot like Jerry.
2: Yeah, interesting.
1: Worse than me even, he says, she swears. (laughs) And so then he asks her, what is the secret to life? And she writes the word truth like a million times.
2: Right. And then the word authenticity.
1: Right. At the end is punctuation.
2: So she's writing this all on that second part of the screen where that cursor had been.
1: Truth, 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 truth. Authenticity.
2: So then Mugenda tells him to go see his grandpa and he flies to a hospital and now it's the last few hours of his grandpa's life.
1: He has to even get on an elevator. Oh yeah. He fli- yeah, that. he flies all the way there, but then he has to get on an elevator up to the 7th floor and it's room 711. <laughs> These are all just more details that help him know that this is real.
2: And he asks his grandpa, are you sorry for, you know, abusing him? And the grandpa says, "Fuck you." And Jerry stays a bit and talks to him and finally his grandpa starts bawling and says, "I'm a drunk. I'm sorry." So uh, Mugenda asks, Jerry, well, do you forgive him? And he thinks about it, and he says, yeah, I forgive him. Whew. Okay. So uh, he flies back to the moon. Now the, the
1: moon, moon has uh, hamburger helper hands,
2: Oh are right, told. Okay.
1: But uh, yeah, the moon knows.
2: And so he asks her for help, and she holds her hands out, and she rips open his chest.
1: Like you do when people ask you for asks help. Ask you for
2: help. And she removes his heart.
1: And it's this gross heart, like it's black, like it's made out of pumice stone.
2: Yeah, gross. So she cleans that off with, with her her hands. hamburger
1: helper hands. Yeah, right? she's like kind of patting it down, th- thwap, 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 getting all the dust off of there.
2: So he's kind of communicating this to Muganda as he goes. And Muganda says, I'll ask her for a new heart. And she gives him what he describes as a beautiful uncooked prime rib heart <laughs> and zips it into his chest. Now, in Shit the Moon Said, which is a title that now makes sense to you all, he explains this is a real literal heart. This is not some spiritual hippie be heart. He got a physical new heart from the moon. Okay. Oh, okay. What, I mean, that- what is mo- so-
1: That flying past the stars
2: thing was crazy, but this new (laughs) physical art thing makes sense. Look,
1: I've got my own standards, okay?
2: (laughs) So he said, thank you, and she said, I'll be seeing you, Jerry. And he said that in this very sweet, like, way you know like yeah it's really meaningful for him and he even kind of choked up as he was telling this part
1: yeah after telling it so many times it still affects him
2: yeah or seems to or else he thinks that making that voice is very effective which it is
1: so the next day he said he was a totally different guy no longer just about sex and business and he was telling us before this if he was interacting with a woman, the only reason you would be interacting with her is if he was planning on having sex with her.
2: And the only reason he'd interact with a man is because he thought he could make money off you now or in a future conversation. Whew, okay. It becomes obvious, both in this talk and in the book, that he thinks that he really was molested and that this explains the deficits of his personality. Mm-hmm. And, and anyone, it's not up
1: for question.
2: Anyone who listens to our UFO episodes knows that memory is incredibly fallible Mm -hmm. and imagination is incredibly powerful and can build memory.
1: However you build a memory, it feels just as real as any other memory.
2: Now, that's not to say that you can never lose a memory. I used to think that was true. And apparently there are, there have been cases of people actually like losing and recovering memories, Mm -hmm. but there are ways that you don't do it. You don't do it through hypnotic regression you don't do it through taking drugs it just pops into your own consciousness without anyone else saying anything to you right so this is already pretty suspect
1: yeah and our bayesian analysis of this i don't know where to put the marker of how likely this is it's greater than zero that he was molested okay those things do happen yes but it is less than a hundred There's a big range in there.
2: And he has no outside corroboration of this. Right.
1: As we we do ask him later.
2: Yeah. And he doesn't, just as a reminder, he doesn't remember it happening. Right. He just viewed it happening.
1: And now knows that it did.
2: Yeah. And now remembers his grandfather as a molester. Yikes. So the next night, he does the medicine again. And the moon told him to start Rhythmia.
1: I think he said he was doing this like three times per week. 43 times afterward like he he did this a lot yeah wow this very heavy uh risk prone drug yeah but yeah he had additional insights from the moon and that was the takeaway you need to start this rhythmia place and use your money for that
2: and he says to us i'm not special picked or chosen i'm not a thought leader i'm just a dude who was told to do something by the moon
1: he said he spent $11 million already and th- on arrhythmia. Three years later, it's not profitable. He says it will be in uh, like 10 to 10, 15 years. 10 or so years. Yeah, it'll become profitable.
2: Uh, and he told us that light workers and light warriors come here,
1: which is appropriate. They've had a little Facebook group that was named something like that. Yeah. For all of us, we had our own little Facebook group we could join. That'll come up later.
2: So he dropped all his other businesses. And he's just focusing on this. And he said one of the big focuses of the week will be trying to help us merge our soul and our ego.
1: I just remembered a fun little extra story in there. Okay. As he was having these visions, he had this big plan. He was going to start a new gentleman's club called The Cockpit. (laughs) Yes. And like they'd have them at airports and it would be so clever because they're far away from schools and it would be like a strip club with meals. And the moon told him, no cockpit.
2: No cockpit, sir. Good pun, bad business.
1: So it was a cockpit block.
2: Yes. So he tells us that a big focus of the week is going to be merging our souls and our egos. Because in Jerry's theology, mm-hmm. everybody splits into at some point, usually during their childhood, your soul and your ego split apart. And most of us stick with our ego and kind of sublimate our soul.
1: So this is kind of like a horcrux in Watch- Harry Potter.
2: <sighs>
1: <laughs> Look, when you talk about splitting your soul, 85% of our audience is thinking of horcruxes.
2: I think of Fight Club.
1: Okay, like Tyler Durden.
2: Yeah, being one side of the personality. Oh, gotcha, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler. Okay, so then, so then once you've split... Your big goal in life is just to be right. That's what we all focus on when we're ego-driven. Okay. But we need to get back to union with our souls so that love can be our primary motivator.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. So before the split, we're interested in love and being loved and community. And then after the split, right, we just want to be right.
2: And a lot of us just start filling ourselves up with gunk. So that Sex we don't and
1: have, cocaine. And yeah that kind of stuff.
2: So we don't have time to fix ourselves.
1: Now he starts he has this diagram up on the board, like a Venn diagram. You've got these two circles, and they're intersecting in the middle, and there's a cross coming down from them.
2: It's supposed to just be like a human being, like a yeah. stick figure, but it looks very much like the universal symbol for female. Mm -hmm. Every time he wrote that, I was like, were two women merged into one woman? Oh, that's a stick figure.
1: But he says that Bruce Lipton had seen this and said, oh, man, it's an Ankh, which is an Egyptian symbol, usually signifying death.
2: Yeah, life, the universe and everything. Something like that. So at this point, we take a quick little break. Yeah. And I got a question in right before this break. Ooh, I said, well, what should I know if we do the tincture
1: ah. instead
2: of the typical plant medicine? Right, And he said, nothing. It is exactly the same experience.
1: Really? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, so noted.
2: Mm-hmm. This will be important later. So I just want to take a step back for a second. One of the things that I would call a pink flag, not necessarily a red flag, but a pink flag in groups is when- This
1: white flag got uh, in the laundry with the red flags. (laughs)
2: Exactly. Is when the leader's very personal idiosyncratic experience Uh is then globalized to be what every single one of us is going to go through. All of you need to now talk to the moon. Clearly, I really believe he had a vision where he believes that his soul was split from his ego and then it was unified, blah, 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 blah. But I bet other people get experiences on ayahuasca that are just as meaningful for them that might right. have nothing to do with the soul splitting from the ego. And now everybody has this pressure to have their experience follow that narrative function.
1: This is as close as he gets to doctrine.
2: Yeah, theology.
1: Yeah, he goes that's into that's one this, pink flag in more detail, but like you can have three soul merges, but then there's like three different categories in which you can do this. So there's a total of nine soul merges you can have.
2: Right. So See? we're getting
1: these hard numbers that are supposed to be immutable laws.
2: Right. This is getting a little dogmatic. All right. So we take a break. Mm-hmm. We come back.
1: We learned that there's a woman in the back who has done the plant medicine a thousand times.
2: Over a th- 1000s We're going to call her Kitty. And she's a young woman. She's probably like 30.
1: Yeah, very pretty lady.
2: Oh, my goodness, though. I mean, that's 30 times a year she had started when she was a baby. Amazing. More than that. You get it?
1: (laughs) We're talking about three years of constant use, essentially.
2: Yeah, that's a lot. That's too much for me. So Jerry tells us that even after a year, they do Mm follow-up surveys, and still 90% of people... I still call it a miracle a year right. later. This
1: is permanent change. It's yeah. going to change you.
2: Wow, he says. And I'm
1: thinking, wow. Okay.
2: Jeez, you can't undo it. You can only rescrew it.
1: He says it actually changes the roadmap of your brain. Okay, and for
2: the better, I hope.
1: That's what I'm waiting to see. What is this going to do to my mind?
2: And then he said, and this is key. This is the death process. Hmm. most of us don't really get to merge with our souls and really face ourselves again until the moment of actual physical death. Yeah, This is the same process. It's the death of the ego, but you get to face death early and gain all its benefits.
1: I'll uh, I'll have to stick a pin in that one.
2: Ross is staring off into space, having thoughts of his own. You will know later. Oh, and then he mentioned something called dying to be me. Maybe a talk by a woman who he said had been dead for six months?
1: Yeah, I want to hear more about that story.
2: Yeah. L- now lots I can, of little
1: references to things like, oh, tell me more.
2: You can be in a coma for six months. Mm-hmm. Someone can think you're dead for six months. Okay. I don't think you could come back from death after six months. Though Tony Alamo. Ah, you beat me weird.
1: to it. I was going <laughs> to say. Tony thought Susan was going Does to. Does
2: that count as number
1: five? <laughs> yeah, no? no. Okay. Okay. But he said both the breath work that we do here and the plant medicine are both shortcuts to getting these results, essentially. And ayahuasca is gentler than iboga. He definitely admitted that he was using iboga before, but he's found that ayahuasca accomplishes the same things, but without quite the fear of death.
2: And at this point, Jerry has had 206 journeys. He's still counting. Got to catch up to Kitty. Yeah, good luck.
1: And he said that even after all that experience, what he knows fits on the head of a pin.
2: And what Kitty knows fits on a thumb.
1: And he said that uh, the main guy that has been doing this for 89 years, like their main shaman, is supposed to be 110 years old.
2: Yeah, we wouldn't meet him, though. But yeah, we never, like actually, the other never
1: actually lady. meet him. We never see him. But yeah, he's supposed to be like their kind of chief. We'll later learn the word Taita. I think he's like their, yeah, their main father shaman who's the progenitor of all their wisdom. But uh, he says, yeah, his knowledge fits on your finger. So that's about okay. as good as you can accomplish in life.
2: So we got a couple instructions here. To come as a child, wide-eyed, willing, and in wonder.
1: Mm-hmm, like Jesus and, said. Right. A little bit of Jesus opting there.
2: And to stay away from contra energy.
1: Okay. I can do that.
2: He tells us that we will never look at even a carrot the same way again. All right. Oh, this is a good notable quotable. He said, plant medicine done wrong
1: Mm -hmm. will
2: answer all your questions.
1: But done right, it will will make them go away.
2: It will eliminate your questions. Yeah. Booyah. Bam. So one of the first questions we should all ask ourselves during these ceremonies Mm -hmm. is, who am I? What have I become?
1: Yeah, show me who I become versus I don't want to look bad. That's your ego. Mm, Yeah. You got to suppress that. Again, that contra energy. And then we'll repeat this statement to void our presuppositions and expectations.
2: He said 50% of us will probably get a miracle by Wednesday. We'll accomplish everything you came here to do. But most of the rest will get their miracle on Thursday, which is going to be the really long ceremony. Oh, yes. And then the stragglers will come through breath work. Now, I'm thinking maybe mine will come during breath work because I'm taking homeopathy for the rest of the
1: Oh, no, but Carrie, the homeopathy is just as powerful. It's the same Same exact experience.
2: Interesting. Okay.
1: Now we should mention we had come here for the About Your Miracle meeting, but this just sort of bled into the Introduction to Plant Medicine meeting. Yes. So total, these went from 9 o'clock to 12 o'clock. This is a three-hour meeting. That's why our notes are so long.
2: And I want to hear more about it. But I also want to hear about Max Fun.
1: Oh, I got just the
0: thing. Following the news is hard and it sucks. How do you know which stories are important? Which sources do you trust in this post-truth world of reactionary journalism? I'm Brett Black. And I'm Travis McElroy. And we host a podcast called Trends Like These. We cover trending news stories. We debunk misleading clickbait headlines. And we always try to throw in a little bit of good news. In our quest for truth! So join us every week on MaximumFun.org or wherever
2: podcasts are found. That was indeed just the thing. So before the ceremony begins, we'll all be praying to a greater power. And we will ask the greater power to tell us who we've become, to heal our hearts, and to merge us back with our soul at all costs. Mm
1: -hmm. We learn specific things about ayahuasca. The plants heal by order of priority.
0: Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. they
1: come in, they have an intelligence. They know what they're doing, they learn you, and then they do what needs to be done. He says, drink it, tastes good. That got a good laugh from the people who already knew it doesn't taste good. it
2: tastes good. Oh yeah, I think uh, ayahuasca is known to be pretty disgusting.
1: It wants to break you down, and it has to honor your intention, so be clear with that intention. Uh, Yeah, about the taste, warns us that it's an earthy taste. And he says that plants have no intentions or motives, they're not trying to work their own will. They always do their jobs.
2: Oh, that's interesting because during our conversation later, he'd talk about the motivations of the plants. Yeah, it's but. weird.
1: But, but mm-hmm. I guess the idea is like they don't have any ulterior motives.
2: Yeah, no selfish motives. Right.
1: They're going to come in and do what they need to do with you.
2: Okay, cool. So then he tells us there are four types of journeys you can have.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: One... And this is such beautiful reframing. One is a body journey. Yes. This is where you have pain, you throw up, you shit, you're shaking, you're sweating, you're peeing, you're crying, you're laughing, you're yawning, you're vomiting. But don't worry, that's a journey, even if that's all that happens.
1: And if you're asking yourself, what am I purging in all of this? It all goes in the bucket. Some people have had their most profound moments just staring at the bottom of that bucket.
2: And you'll purge things like lies you were told and bad emotions. You know, you might think it's food, but it's not food, it's emotions.
1: The second Mm. type of journey you can have is the pinta, not to be confused with the Nina or the Santa Maria, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it's interesting colors or shapes, pictures, vignettes, Anything that's not opaque or black. So those will be the visions that you see. Sounds better. Yeah. And I'm wondering at this point, okay, are we talking about VR here? Are we talking about AR? Does it take over your vision, like what you see in the real world, or only when you have your eyes closed?
2: Or can you open your eyes and I see the room around me, but floating in that room is a fairy? Mm -hmm. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That would be the AR.
2: So then the third option is a consult. This is someone or something talking to you. Yeah. So instead of just seeing that cat, the cat leans over and says, hey, Carrie, you know, you're supposed to give up your job and become a shaman. And that's a consult. Yeah.
1: And it seems like they kind of extend that to any sort of message you receive. Yeah. So it could be written, for example. Right.
2: Then These are good. We like these. Everybody wants a consult.
1: Right. Right. And then the fourth journey is, (laughs) again, now we're reframing what might be someone else's experience. It's called the nada. Meaning nothing. You go to sleep and you wake up and it's all over. Wait, what? Did I miss it? And sometimes this happens to big guys, we're told. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was perhaps something uh, wrong in your family and in the past. And ayahuasca goes in to fix it. A
2: lot of times it means that your double helix is fucked up and needs repair. <laughs> so you go to sleep and they go into your DNA and they fix it. What?
1: So so it's still doing the work. It's just you're not aware. You're not having all these visions. But he even said, he joked here, like, I know, it sounds like a, a businessman covering for a bad product. Yeah. And everyone laughed at that. So there we go. It's out there.
2: <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs>
1: yes, it does. Correct.
2: Um, but he said, next morning, you feel fantastic. You could just run around a million times around this building.
1: And he said, it's so rare. Only like 2% of people get this. In Native culture, this is a cherished reaction. So really, it's a gift. If you get this, you're lucky. You got the nada.
2: And it's a free pass. You got the prize without the world. Hey. Now, it doesn't count if you drink the drink and nothing happens. You have to fall asleep. That's an important part of the Nada.
1: Mm, okay.
2: So he said all the journeys are designed to increase awareness. And he also said everyone will drink the medicine and immediately be mad because it's, yes. it's kind of shitty at first.
1: And it won't do what you want it to do.
2: Now, it turns out you guys are going to be drinking four different blends of the plant medicine.
1: Yes. On Monday night, that night, first night, it's going to be the Brazilian blend.
2: Then the house blend.
1: Then the Peruvian blend. And
2: then the Colombian blend. This is starting to really sound like coffee. It
1: really is, yeah. Oh, Peruvian, Colombian, okay. (laughs) And uh, Jerry says that he's going to join us on that fourth night. You know, he's always busy doing other things. So that's the only night he gets to join us, but he reserves... Thursday nights to join us for the Columbian Blend.
2: And on one trip, he saw two hours of 70s porn. Yeah. So who knows what we're in for?
1: Right, and then a slaughterhouse uh, with a guy killing piglets.
2: You know 70s porn would make you purge, though, out your you-know-whats.
1: I would uh, rather watch John Holmes than uh, than a slaughterhouse in action.
2: Is that a pornography star?
1: Yeah, oh, famous okay. for his, his long... Appendage.
2: Okay, I don't know that one, but I know Nina... Hartley? Hartley, you know, because she... I know my porn. She uh, has an office in the same <gasps> building as Maximum Fun. That's
1: right. Oh, yeah. still? Uh, I don't know, uh, if still. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, that's awesome. Uh, and uh, we learned another term here, yahe. That's another way to refer to ayahuasca. If you're looking for more synonyms than the ones we've offered you before. <laughs> so it's a Y-A-G-E... With like an accent.
2: So he starts to tell us a few more stories about his trips. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: We see uh, Mrs. Moon's equation for Jerry.
2: So he asked Mrs. Moon for this message and she showed him... Her magic math, which was like, the first time you ever saw baseball, plus your birthday, divided by your grandma, plus blah, blah, and just like a bunch of shit from his life. Yeah,
1: I was trying to write down what he had on the board. It was like, NJ times PA divided by Sunday times... 112,167 divided by Mrs. Cartwright, one of his old teachers, Yeah. times 127 minus moon, and it went on, you know, that kind of gibberish. I like feel
2: the implication was like, your entire life works together in a way that you could never totally wrap your head around.
1: And uh, speaking in retrospect, that sounds about right, where like, you just get this real sense of certainty out of some weird kind of gibberish that you're getting.
2: <laughs> yeah. So he tells us about journey envy. This yep. is the sense that someone else is having a better journey than you are. And Don't he said, worry about it. Yeah, everybody gets this. Don't worry. Your journey is uniquely yours. It's never wrong. And I'm thinking, I bet I'm going to have some journey envy.
1: <laughs> and he says that if you switch journeys with someone, they would kill you, those other journeys. Oh, that's right. You'd probably get pneumonia and die. Oh, wait. <laughs> what? That's how we're on Hubbard. Never mind.
2: Oh, <laughs> And then he also said, every once in a while, someone has what you call, in the medical jargon, a freak out. So a freak mm. out is someone who goes a little crazy. They're screaming. They're talking about what a bad time they're having. Listen, they're not really having a bad time.
0: <laughs> um
2: often the next day you'll talk to them and they had the best experience of anyone in the room.
1: Yeah, he mentioned there was this one guy who was just screaming and he seemed miserable, but he talked to him the next day like, oh, how are you doing? And the guy said, oh man, I had this amazing conversation with God. It was so cool.
2: So, you know, if you see this, don't worry. The shamans have got it figured out who's in trouble. So just don't worry about it. And All if, right. if
1: you're having a bad experience, that means like it's doing its job and go to what's hard. Which right. reminds me of kind of like the improv maxim, you know, like go for the the uncomfortable, like mm. go straight to the thing that you don't want to do and do it. So uh yeah, we're told not to shirk that responsibility if it gets difficult, just dive right into it.
2: And he said the freak out happens about one out of every three hundred people. We'll see how that holds up one with out the- of three
1: hundred, huh? You say? Yes. Okay. That's interesting. <laughs>
2: We'll see how that holds up. But he says, focus on you. Don't focus on anyone else.
1: The closer the journey is to what you need, the more you're going to want to leave.
2: Mm, Right.
1: So uh, all of these things clearly are just bracing you for when it's going to get shitty. Yeah. You need to push through it.
2: I think the justification he would give is just like in therapy, facing your biggest problem is going to be hard but worth it so Mm -hmm. same thing going on here Mm -hmm. and he even says you know the molestation i experienced and didn't know i had experienced that was driving my subconscious my whole life until i saw and faced it so he gives us some good instructions about what to do during the ceremony he says after you get that first drink you're gonna go back to your mat you're gonna lay down quite a while but they'll call for a second drink if you can hear them and if you can get up, go, go ahead for the and second do it. Drink. Get yeah. the second drink.
1: And also says, like, don't think, drink. Just let it do its thing. Don't try to outthink it. Seventy-seven percent of you will have sacred surgery.
2: So sacred surgery. It almost
1: feels like that should be a different journey, like a fifth journey.
2: Oh man, yeah, this sounds so intense. And
1: seventy-seven percent. Later on, he says seventy-three point eight two percent of you. Okay. We'll have uh, sacred, <laughs> sacred surgery.
2: surgery. So, sacred surgery is where something is wrong in your body and helpers go in and repair it physically. So, you It'll- have
1: the sensation of being opened up.
2: And given surgery without anesthesia, he says it can be very painful. It'll be located in a specific place so you know, oh, they're working on my jaw. They're working on my bones. Sometimes it's Jesus doing the surgery. Sometimes it's Martians.
1: (laughs) Right. He warns us of all this. And
2: then he tells us that he watched a one-inch diameter tumor disappear. A
1: lady's tumor physically disappeared. (sighs)
2: And then he tells us his own leg grew. It used to be a little shorter than the other one. He
1: wore a spacer in his shoe for 20 years and then he didn't need it.
2: And he says, if you believe this, it will happen to you. Now, this is really important, obviously. He even says in Shit the Moon said that all illness, all disease comes back to the splitting of the soul and the ego. And that if you get those things merged again, your diseases will disappear. Uh Uh-oh. That's not good. Nope. That's not a good thing to say, Jer-Jer. Nope. Here's why. That's not true. That can't be true. Are you telling me that 100% of people who tried ayahuasca don't get cancer? What? What are you doing? Why would you say that? Don't like that. Huh. This is page 123 of Shit the Moon Said. He asked the moon, how can disease be healed? And she said, reconnect the soul with the body. And then once that occurs, you're responsible for nurturing yourself through nature's food. All right. Oh, boy.
1: Well, there you go. Well, shit the moon side. <laughs> uh, we're warned to wear loose clothes, stuff that you can easily get off because you're going to be confused and trying to go to the bathroom. Make it easy on yourself. Don't worry about throwing up. Not a big deal.
2: You should pray your intention into the medicine. Speak it if you have your wits about you enough to do that. He also said we would stand against the wall first, but that didn't happen. Nope. He said if you feel sick, just get on your knees. You're going to pull your bucket up. Make sure your shoulders are lower than your butt so you've got a nice uh, little uh, downward dog kind of position.
1: I think with the standing straight thing, he was telling us to like keep your back straight for 35 to 40 minutes at the oh. beginning. Oh, a lo- I don't remember that. A lot of people did that. Some didn't. Okay. Yeah, try not to throw up at first, but when you do, the puke is going to sizzle, so it gives you that perfect stance to keep your butt up a little higher than your shoulders and help it get right out and yeah. cleanly.
2: Probably not bad advice. He said it is toxic vomit. It's emotional, not food. And then once you throw up, look in that bucket and ask the bucket what that was. It's what not, did you purge? It's
1: not food, but we're not going to eat...
2: We're not going to eat after, after 2 1 p.m. After
1: or 2, yeah, at the latest. <laughs> and, and if you do puke, ask the bucket what that was. Then you might find out what you just got rid of.
2: So it could be a bad experience or an emotion. So there's going to be four bathrooms. Uh huh. Don't lock the door behind you because, you know. You may
1: you... be a little too drunk to
2: open it back get up. back out. And if we need to go in there and help you, we need to do People that. People
1: get confused and, and frightened, and then they're stuck in the bathroom.
2: And come out as soon as you can. This is told to us a few times. Yeah. I think people, you know, they, people
1: find their little private space. And yeah.
2: They get tired of being around 100 high people. I'm
1: trying not to jump into the future here, but I can totally imagine wanting to just be there and be alone in yeah. the bathroom.
2: Oh, me too. And I was having a different experience from you. Oh, yes. So he tells us about the helpers. So the helpers are some people who are not shaman, necessarily, Mm -hmm. but they're going to be there for our journey, and they're going to lead us through it and make sure everybody's safe. Half are volunteers. The other half get paid very little. They're doing this as an act of love. This guy has $94 million.
1: (laughs) Or he did at some point.
2: Yeah. Well, he retired on the 94 mil, so...
1: But then he spent $11 million building this place. Yeah,
2: okay. Oh, I'm sorry. He only has $83 million.
1: <laughs> I'm sure there are other costs in his life.
2: <laughs> Still.
1: <laughs> but yes, he, he prides himself almost on the fact that he doesn't pay these people well.
2: Says, raise your hand if you need anything. There's also going to be some smoke in the room from sort of incense-type stuff. Oh, yes. Burning sage and whatnot. This smoke helps chase out all the liberated emotions coming out of people.
1: Oh, here's an interesting visual he used. He mentioned that we have like bags of emotions inside of us. They're all these yeah, little
2: plastic bags. Yeah,
1: little plastic baggies and they, they hold all these gross emotions and ayahuasca goes in and it dissolves those little baggies and then all those emotions just are finally released and they come out and they're gross, but you gotta do it.
2: This is one of those things where you can tell this visual, like, really nailed it for someone else. And Mm -hmm. I'm sitting there going, I don't, this doesn't land for me, but okay.
1: I can picture it. I can picture it. I just,
2: like, I can feel like for someone it was like, yeah, plastic bag. Oh, my God, that's so insightful. Okay, okay. okay. plastic bag. Okay.
1: Okay. He tells us about the music and, uh, you know, some songs you'll like, some songs you won't. And they're particularly designed to push certain things out of you. So the music's there for a reason. I think they've gotten like a lot of commentary on the music, so mm-hmm. they're trying to forestall that. Like, yeah, you don't need to tell us what you don't like.
2: People would later. They would complain about yep. the music. Oh, yeah. yes. When you feel like you want to leave, that's the time to stay.
1: Again, let's forestall people's criticisms later when they're really upset, like, okay, I'm ready to go. Yeah.
2: I mean, to be fair, you got 100 high people. You do need to keep them there. Yep. Again, he tells us everything's the same with the tincture. He's really just nodding to me at this point. I think everyone's aware I'm the only person taking it. Yes. Um, Yeah,
1: that's becoming rapidly apparent. Carrie is the (laughs) only person in this room taking the tincture.
2: um, And
1: now everyone will want to ask Carrie about the tincture.
2: Oh, and they will. It says, bring a journal and a pen if you like. And we're also going to be doing another thing called RAPE. Now, okay, you might be tempted to Google this. This is a little tough. Yeah, and you're thinking
1: RAPE, that sounds like rape, but with an an accent on the E. that's correct. That's exactly how it's spelled.
2: R-A-P and then E with an an accent. My poor sweet boyfriend, Drew, was kind of freaking out (laughs) while we were in... Costa Rica and starts looking up. He
1: sees all these articles that say ayahuasca and rape.
2: Yes. and And then realized, like, oh, some of these have an ax. Oh, it's another drug. So (laughs) rapé is a combination of tobacco and other herbs ground up together. And then you take it up the nostril. And we'll tell you how that was. Indeed. Oh, and then someone said, now, how long does the ceremony last? What did he say, Ross? How did he respond?
1: How long did he say?
2: He said... Two hours. Oh,
1: that's right.
2: So we're thinking... Where
1: did that okay. come
2: from? So I think maybe he misunderstood the question. Yeah, you're I right. Think, lasts
1: about two hours. Hum. Yeah.
2: I do think if you took a single serving of ayahuasca and just sat it through to the end of its utility, it would be around two hours. Yeah, maybe. That, maybe. that felt about right, having witnessed it.
1: If anything, I would guess that was a short amount of time, but yeah. Yeah,
2: it's... Yes. It's on the short end for sure, but we'll see that the ceremony lasts longer than that.
1: I asked a question because I was really curious about how much we'd remember, and he said that you remember maybe about 40% of what happens. Uh, Some things will come later, Uh, but that's when he encouraged us to bring our journal and our crystals if desired. They asked us to bring no phones.
2: Mostly because it'll distract you.
1: Don't want to be there checking Facebook while you're on ayahuasca. Might say some things you regret.
2: That would be so funny. Oh, Just can pos- you imagine posting on the on-rack page? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you do not want to be doing that on ayahuasca. No, I don't say that much.
2: So then he called up Kitty to give us a little um, talking to. Mm -hmm. And she said that she works with the mother. And the mother is, again, one of these nicknames for ayahuasca. She said, the mother and I have a relationship. I have a partnership with her. And the shamans also have an agreement and a relationship with her. So she works with our help, but it's always the plant doing her work, not us.
1: This is also where she informs us that everyone administering this will also be using the medicine.
2: Okay, hang on. So, I mean, I've heard this before that the shaman has to. But part of the selling point of this whole deal Uh was that if anybody's in trouble or even worried about being in trouble, they'll go down the hill to the ICU. And now I'm thinking, wait, if all the helpers are high also, are they even going to be able to tell that someone's in trouble or who's watching the watchers? So it becomes apparent who this is going to be me. I'm going to be the soberest person in the (laughs) room I'm taking some fucking homeopathy.
1: But also at the same time, it's going to be the exact same experience.
2: Oh, yeah. But yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Correct. Mm -hmm.
2: So that was our first time with Jerry.
1: And uh, a lot of deconstruction over these three hours just of what his experience has been and what we can expect from our experience. Yep. Going in tonight, this night, Monday night. To experience ayahuasca for the first time.
2: But first, let's have some lunch.
1: Yeah, because this is going to be your last food for a while.
2: Yeah, because again, we can only eat until 2 p.m. So I had sauteed veggies, pumpkin soup, rice and lentils, and some tiny cookies with coconut water, pineapple juice, and coffee.
1: Guys, this food is great.
2: Oh my gosh, it was so good. And here's an upside if you're not doing the plant medicine. You can drink coffee, whereas the rest of your cohorts cannot.
1: But we do get to drink, uh, they had pineapple juice. I learned every day I could just go up and ask for pineapple juice, and they'd give me a glass with, you guessed it, pineapple juice.
2: I asked for half pineapple juice, half coconut water. Very good. So while we were at lunch, we talked to a woman who told us that her husband had stage four colon cancer.
1: Oh, yes. And
2: they've tried conventional medicine in the States and they actually moved out to Costa Rica because Costa Rica has this cutting edge stem cell therapy that we will learn about later. Oh,
1: such a sweet lady. Yeah. So nice. She figures into our story later. And at these meals, this is a great time to be talking with all the other people. So at this point, our conversations are all about where you came from how you found out about Rhythmia, but everybody we meet is delightful. Oh, yeah. Delightful. Great
2: people. Um,
1: And later on, our conversations will take on another tune. But uh, yeah, at this point, we're all just getting to know each other.
2: So then we took a little break. I went to put on extra deodorant because it's warm in Costa Rica.
1: It is very warm and humid in Costa Rica.
2: And it was time for me to also schedule my Dead Sea cleanses. Oh,
1: yeah. I'd managed to do this already. I had... My scheduled times to cleanse and be massaged.
2: So you have to go up to the front and schedule your own like specific little appointments for them. And then they show
1: up in your app if you've got the app.
2: But oh man, this was really annoying. I had to wait 30 minutes for someone to come back. They said, oh, hang on, be right back. And it took them half an hour to come back and make my appointments. Really? Yeah.
1: Oh, hey, Carrie, I got something right here. Guess what I got?
2: Uh, tonsillitis.
1: No, no. Thankfully, no.
2: Um, a winning personality.
1: Well, yeah,
2: yeah, sure.
1: I mean, thanks. Okay.
2: Uh, TSA (laughs) pre-check.
1: That would be nice. That's quite a process.
2: Yeah, no, it is for sure, but
1: not like the global check-in. That's, oh, that's definitely. an even bigger process. That's why I don't have either. Uh, no, neither of those things.
2: Disneyland annual pass.
1: Kind of, but no.
2: LA Public Library
1: card. Uh, oh, the, the, this isn't happening. KCRW
2: membership discount okay, it's,
1: card. I have a Jumbotron. Actually, I have <gasps> two Jumbotrons.
2: Jumbotrons? I love those.
1: Yeah. Well, this one happens to be for Ran from Talia. Guess what Talia says.
2: Uh, okay. I think Talia says something along the lines of, Randy, yes, you, thank you for being the coolest friend and for so many hours of fun and heartfelt conversations about, but not limited to, Gravity Falls, Lighthouses, Horror Stories, and the McElroys using your name for everything, much to your hilarious frustration.
1: Well, I, that's exactly right. How, how did you know that? Well, she also said, here's to listening to more Ross and Carrie together. I love you with all my heart.
2: Oh, that's nice.
1: We have another Jumbotron.
2: It is from Ellis.
1: Who is it too?
2: Sarah. So Ellis says, happy Valentine's and first anniversary, love.
1: The past year I've spent with you has been amazing, and I can't wait for the next year with you. I love you. Aw.
2: And we love you, Sarah. When we just like you, Ellis.
1: It's a weird, complicated love triangle. It really is. But we're glad we could help you two share your love.
2: It's the ARC triangle.
1: Hey. But
2: with the
1: Affinity, Ross, feelings. and Carrie.
2: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so next, you went to a relationship workshop. Yeah. I was still stuck at the front desk.
1: Yeah. So there was this Christian de la Huerta relationship workshop. I went down there at one o'clock. I think it was the same. Yeah, same room that we had been in for Jerry's talk. So it started as a breathing exercise, had us kind of follow our breath, do that sort of thing, a little guided meditation that Christian walked us through. He's a, I don't know, how how do you describe him? Good-looking fella... In his maybe early 50s, late 40s. Early 40s maybe, yeah. yeah. Relatively tall fellow and solid build to him. He's in the front of the room. I, ca- I came up this time, I wanted to... it's weird. I don't like sitting in the same area of the same room multiple times in a row. Oh,
2: interesting. So okay. I went
1: to the front to oh, sit right. on the little side section and look at him from that angle. He told us how... Breath and spirit are the same words in many languages. And then he also reassured us that we can all open up here. All the things that we say are safe and confidential. And then he pointed out that there is also a camera at the back of the room recording. They produce a lot of content, which we'll learn about later. There's like a whole Rhythmia Live thing that you can sign up for and get videos. So this was being recorded. So there we go. Everyone laughs at that.
2: One of the things we had all agreed to is that we could identify speakers at this conference but we wouldn't say anything to directly identify any guests identity yes so, so you're protected there as long as you don't stand up and say i stole a bunch of stuff into the camera
1: yeah and then everyone knows Veronica's a thief
2: exactly
1: christian then informs us that there is a difference between men and women
2: oh okay what is it
1: there's an imbalance of power
2: Oh, okay. All right. I'm with him so far.
1: Okay. There's a human sense of self, and that's what sets us apart as people. Uh-huh. And he even I was thinking like, oh, well, what about like a mirror test? And he even mentions that and mentions, oh, okay. So some animals can kind of pass that. But mm-hmm. still, we humans have this much stronger sense of self and this ego. So he starts talking about that. I don't know
2: that. how people know this unless they've been some other animal.
1: And so he says that our ego split in our evolutionary past- Okay. But doesn't give any details about, you know, X number of yeah, millions I thought of years. each of
2: us did it when we were in childhood.
1: Hmm. 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 Ego's not all bad. You don't need to kill it. Okay. So then we read this poem that comes from A Course in Miracles The Diminished Self. The ego is quite literally a fearful thought. The ego is your belief. The ego is confusion in identification. This fragment of your mind is such a tiny part of it that, could you but appreciate the whole, you would see it instantly, that it is like the smallest sunbeam to the sun, or like the faintest ripple on the surface of the ocean. In its amazing arrogance, this tiny sunbeam has decided it is the sun. This almost imperceptible ripple hails itself as the ocean. Think how alone and frightened is this little thought, this infinitesimal illusion holding itself apart against the universe. Do not accept this little fenced-off aspect as yourself. The sun and the ocean are as nothing beside what you are.
2: That sounds like someone who loves Edna St. Vincent Millay, but does not have the talent of Edna St. Vincent Millay. Not everyone can be. Edna St. Vincent Millay. (laughs) Um, A Course in Miracles was written by Helen Schachman. Helen, I I don't know why I said it that way. It's Helen schuckman S C H U C M A N. <laughs> okay. Oh, she got the inner dictation from Jesus of Nazareth.
1: Oh, hey. All right. So really, it's poetry from Jesus. Yeah, cool. Well, that's
2: cool. You'd think Jesus would be better at it.
1: So he starts talking about aspects of the ego: small, but thinks it's big. It has poor sight, and he points us to the obverse side of that poem on the other side of the sheet it's got this illustration kind of angry looking green cartoon character with well what do you have here six arms and two legs and he's carrying a mirror and he's got a a little mask that he's holding and he's holding like a double-sided knife like a dirk and it's
2: it's also one of those very bad political cartoon styles where he's holding a Bag that just says past.
1: and then he's got little band-aids on him. So, yeah, the Christian is letting us know these different aspects of the ego. He's fixated on the past, yep, bag okay. He hallucinates on the future. He's got the uh, monkey mind, so you know he's easily distracted. And uh, he's having us list on the board, various other things. So we're all just throwing out, oh, protective, trying to be combative, or labeling yourself the victim, or calling people superior, inferior. I think you arrived around here somewhere. Mm -hmm. They finally released you from the front desk?
2: Yeah, no, I finally booked my appointments and was able Ah. to come down.
1: Ah, okay. So yeah, we're learning all these different aspects of the ego. So it's not all bad, but we need to learn how to keep it kind of in check. It's important that we resolve our relationships with our parents so we can stop dating them. That got a good laugh. (laughs) He started going into just talking about his own personal relationships. He mentioned he'd had a seven-year relationship that was just for the sex Mm -hmm. and that just ended, so clearly fresh in his mind. He also had an agent who wasn't responding to him at the same time, so he thought, oh, okay, this might have something to do with what I'm putting out into the universe that I've got now two people who aren't responding to me.
2: So then he realized, well, there are other people in my life who I'm not responding to, and so he decided to change that instead of worrying about what he was receiving.
1: And then he said, as soon as he had that revelation, then both of them called him within the hour.
2: Uh, Within the hour? Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, Yeah, he said, ask yourself how you're doing the thing you don't like done to you, which Mm -hmm. I do think is good advice. It's something that I've thought about before. And one of the things that comes to mind for me is that, like, I hate taking advantage of privilege and power. But one of the things that I don't bother to do is worry about, like, who made my stuff. I'm not very good at making sure, like, this thing wasn't made in a sweatshop. It's a value I have, but not a value that I necessarily see through in my life. So I got a chance to reflect on that.
1: Yeah, you mentioned that we otherize problems, we find ways to blame others. When we take offense, that is our egos in action.
2: Okay, maybe, uh, sometimes. Uh,
1: but he says, oh, we're not talking about being doormats, though. This is this is all about personal empowerment. So maybe having it a little bit both ways there.
2: We used to know everything was energy from spirituality. Religion has told us that a long time. Oh, yeah.
1: Now we know it from
2: quantum, quantum physics. physics.
1: All right, yay, quantum physics.
2: This is like if you had a Ross and Carrie bingo card, <laughs> quantum, <laughs> quantum physics and quantum mechanics would be right one square.
1: Yep, yep, and they are now filled. We are reminded that it's important to be like children and leave our emotions on our sleeves.
2: To be vulnerable is courageous, not weak.
1: He references uh, like a seesaw. He uses that as a metaphor, just saying that we tend to vacillate from extreme to extreme. We need to kind of level that out and not Hmm. become so reactive.
2: Okay. Yeah, that's a
1: good, good mental image.
2: Yeah, and I'm having just watched Jerry's talk. I was watching Christian, and he doesn't have like the same charisma or power of Jerry, but he has this very like
1: soft, quiet,
2: self assured Mm -hmm. presence.
1: Yeah, he's mentioning how he's kind of learned to nip ego in the bud and just sort of catch it before it really flares up. And uh, I thought this was a clever line. He said that the ego went to law school. It's always building its case. (laughs) Cute. And you had to leave early for something.
2: It was time for my colon cleanse.
1: Oh, fun. Okay. Okay. And I I wasn't sure where you were going, but I saw other people were leaving. And we're only halfway into this talk, but he had just gone into the Q&A period. So he'd kind of shared a few small things that he had prepared and a lot of general observations. But now it was just people asking him about controlling ego Mm -hmm. in different situations. And I thought,
2: this doesn't
1: doesn't seem essential. Yeah, I think we covered the main point. So I, I also snuck out.
2: You know what you did? I think you went and edited.
1: That's right. We had an episode of the podcast that was due out. I needed to go work on it. So I did that.
2: Well, it was time for me to have my first colon cleanse because when I went up to the front to schedule, they were like, "Eh, how about in half an hour? And you've never
1: done this before. I
2: hadn't. Okay, so if you go back to our colon hydrotherapy slash master cleanse episode, you'll recall that Ross did the far more humiliating, (laughs) uncomfortable thing, and I did the more painful thing. Master cleanse. The master cleanse, but I never got to do this... (laughs) <laughs> Got to do this uh, experience of putting <laughs> a thing in up my butt and, and pooping out into a tube. Yeah, so. Fun. I go next door to the cleanse center.
1: And is the Dead Sea in there?
2: <laughs> well, it is called the Dead Sea Cleanse. I'm pretty sure that just means salt water will be involved.
1: I like that in the promo video for Rhythmia. It says Dead Sea Cleanse on the, the screen. And you're seeing these images of, I presume, the Dead Sea. But it's like, uh-huh. you know, kind of this low-lying, muddy salt water. And you didn't
2: think, oh, I'm going to get saline up my ass. <laughs> it wasn't my
1: first thought. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I went in and there was a very specific smell. Hmm. I mean, I knew what was going to happen in there. So I was like, is that feces? But it seems like it was feces mixed with a lot of coconut oil and some incense. So I gave him my name. I gave him my token because, again, we're using Disney bucks here. And they take me into this room. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So... You had, when you did your colon hydrotherapy, Right, I wasn't there as you put it into your butt. But I came back in once you'd been covered with a towel, and it was this pretty elaborate thing where, like, you pooped into a tube, and the tube carried your feces away from you and displayed it to me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right, so you could see as it all came out. Yeah, and it was this large... Plastic thing with kind of stirrups that you put your feet into. Yeah, very high tech. Mm-hmm.
2: Not so here. No.
1: <laughs>
2: Imagine, if you will, the world's most shallow bathtub. Okay. It goes down uh maybe an inch and a half. <laughs> okay. So you lay in that, and then you take a plastic tube. And you insert it up your ass. You can use coconut oil to (laughs) make that more comfortable. All right, they give you a little
1: coconut oil. Okay.
2: So you're sitting in the tub. You have (laughs) the thing up your butt. And then in front of your nether regions, there is a drain. But that drain is a good five, six inches from you if you put the thing up your butt as far as they tell you to put it up
1: which is like three inches three inches okay. so you've
2: still got like quite a bit of straw coming out of your butt <laughs> yeah uh and quite a bit of distance to this drain so i'm like uh, w- w- confused
1: so you what do you have to take your clothes off
2: so yes so i t- so she explains that this is what i'm gonna do she leaves the room i take my clothes off i put a bunch of coconut oil on the straw (laughs) get it up my butt and i'm like man i'm still like six or nine inches from the drain well they know what they're doing Uh so she i cover myself up with a towel she comes back in she's like okay i'm gonna turn on the water and she says oh and there's also a, a spigot by you so if you need to clean off at any point you can use that and i'm like okay cool she turns on the water Which rushes into my rectum Mm -hmm. and up into my colon and is a very unpleasant (laughs) feeling. Uh Like having horrible gas that just gets worse and worse and worse. It's just this intense pressure.
1: You're just supposed to be constantly pushing out.
2: Yeah. So she she said, don't hold it or just let it go. And I'm like, okay. And at first, I thought like, oh, just let it go. Like, don't don't actively hold it in. Okay, no prob. But no, no, no. That's yeah. not what she meant. Yeah. She meant, push, push it out. Mm-hmm. So eventually, that became apparent because it was too painful to do anything else. So I started pushing and pooping. But I can't see it because I'm covered up with a towel Joel, yeah. and covered and, and my body.
1: Right. Um, and it's kind of awkward to get up and while look. you've got this thing in your butt. Right. And you're laying back on like an inclined plane.
2: But it's so uncomfortable. And at one moment I thought, I can't take this. I can't do oh, anymore. No. And I looked at my watch and it had been five minutes. <laughs> oh, no. And the cleanse is 40 minutes. And I was like, oh, my God. I, I can't do it. It was that just feeling of oh, utter, no. you know, like, it has to stop. Oh, it no, has to stop now. But there's no end but in it sight. it didn't. Yeah, so I was like, okay, just poop, just poop as much as you can. So, pooping as much as I can, I can smell my own feces. It's really good. Okay, so finally, just a flash forward. Four new minutes do pass <laughs> somehow. The woman comes in and she's like, okay, I'm going to turn it off. She turns it <laughs> off. She replaced the saline with some peppermint stuff. Puts that in my butt.
1: Oh, yes. Okay.
2: She leaves again. She didn't say anything, but I thought like, I guess I clean up now. Okay, listeners, if you're freaked out by poop, (laughs) you have to stop now. I'm so serious. Skip
1: forward a couple minutes.
2: So I take... Oh, my God. I lift up the towel. I kind of shimmy out of place. To get off the tube. And I have been... Laying in my own shit (laughs) for 40 minutes. It's so apparent that this has been happening the whole time. The. (laughs) Sorry, Ross. No,
1: that's fine. The
2: tub, if you will, is just like littered with human diarrhea and some urine. Because at some points you just have to pee. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, I did. So, yeah, I mean, but mostly diarrhea. And it's just laying there in little piles like fucking emojis. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and then I realized like when she said, oh, if you need to clean up, there's a spigot. Like she needed to be like, you won't know if you are laying in your own feces, but you are. So just spray yourself. Don't look. Just spray yourself consistently. Then I would have known. But no. So now that's hard
1: to do with the towel and your legs in the way. Totally.
2: So now I'm like spraying myself because now I'm aware like I'm covered in E. coli. (laughs) And also I am a person with a vagina. And I'm like, how far did this get up? Am I going to get a UTI? I'm freaking out. I'm spraying myself all over. I'm spraying the tub trying to get my own human feces down the drain. Oh, my God. It was horrifying. It was disgusting. I was like, oh, I don't know if I can Carrie. do this again. And Ross is doing four ayahuasca ceremonies, so if he does this, I gotta do it. You I got gotta more step up to the plate. Oh no, oh, it's so terrible. So I came out and I told you. I gave you some advice. I told you put that straw get as far, far on down your <laughs> butt as you can. possibly Yeah, Carrie's manage. like get as close
1: to that shoot as you can, that yeah. poop shoot.
2: And apparently that was good advice. Yep.
1: That oh, was good advice.
2: Oh. Jo- the things we do for you. <laughs> People. Oh you burped in the middle of that.
1: <laughs> all your dignity just laid out.
2: Oh, all my dignity was all over that
1: time. You were you're getting a lesson in the ego.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Oh, it was the worst thing.
1: Okay. Well <sighs> after that you got a little bit of rest before we headed back at 5.30 to start our herbal support therapy. Yes. So that'll be an exciting adventure for our next episode yeah. of our Rhythmia Adventure. That's it for this show.
2: Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton.
1: Our editor is Victor Figueroa.
2: Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer.
1: Our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash onrec. That's where you go to find all the fun stuff happening.
2: And our legal support was provided by Matthew Strugar. That will come up later in this investigation. Oh,
1: Indeed it will. You can support us and our investigations, make all this possible by going to maximumfund.org forward slash donate and uh, sign up there. Let them know you listen to us.
2: Yeah, there you go. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash oh podcast sometimes we retweet people who were involved in previous investigations like linda moulton how
1: oh you never know what'll come out of her face
2: or fingers
0: and remember and he starts yelling fly foster men fly foster and he said now look to your left do you see the moon and i thought this guy's done this before because he knows exactly where the moon is and he said now jerry fly right to it so i flew to the moon when I first started, the moon was only this big. And it started getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and, bigger, and I'm flying fast and fast and fast. And all of a sudden, everything goes black. The only thing that I see is a TV screen. And on that TV screen, there was an old-fashioned cursor, like from a 1980s Radio Shack computer, and a video of the moon. And I looked hard and I could see my feet sticking out of the moon like this. So I went head first into the moon, and and when I figured out what was going on, I took my left foot and I wiggled it, and I watched on the screen my foot moving like this. I thought, this is amazing, right? You write out 10 questions and you give it to your shaman before you have this experience. I said, why am I such an asshole? And the moon typed, hi Jerry, I can't tell you unless you go get your soul first. Hi there, I'm comedian and movie buff Ricky Carmona, and I'm excited to tell you about a new show I'm doing called Who Shot Ya? Join me, LA Weekly film critic April Wolf.
2: I'm gonna call Star Wars and it comes out The Clint Howard Project <laughs>
0: <laughs> Film Reviews Editor for The Wrap Alonzo Durali Everything Charlize Theron knows about Killing somebody with a high-heeled shoe She learned from single white female Trust <laughs> me And our dope-ass friends each week I think we need to end this pernicious belief in our society that there is anything remotely f***able about rich dudes who are emotionally (laughs) unavailable. So if you're tired of whack opinions and you're looking for a smart, funny film discussion show, check out Who Shot Your Son. That's what we do. And you can find us at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. MaximumFun.org.
2: Comedy and culture.
1: Artist owned.
0: Listener supported.